I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I am excited to have Lance Lang with me as we have a conversation around Matthew 18 and what the Lord is teaching him. Lance is an author. He's a speaker, a nonprofit coach, and he's the founder of Hope is Alive Ministries, whose mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love him, them. <laughs> well, welcome, Lance. So glad you're here. Hey, why don't you introduce yourself? Because I think I left out some of the really important details of your life that I think we should know about you. So, well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Jody. I'm yeah. on an award-winning podcast. <laughs> I am so excited about this. So thank thankful. you. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Thankful for the opportunity to be here. I think I am most proud of in the bio today, husband to Allison Lang and father to Lance Adam Lang the second, who we call L.A. <laughs> so uh, that's a, but yeah, your bio was great there. That's that's who I am and what I get to do every day. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm a recovering addict and, and a guy who God completely um, came and rescued about ten years ago, and grateful to be able to tell his story anywhere I can. Mm, yeah, well, I'm excited to have this conversation. I think we're going to get into some of that. Um, and little LA is three months old. So you mm -hmm. are in the throes of baby parenting, which That's is right. delightful and exhausting. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, a whole lot more exhausting for my wife um, and a, a very delightful for both of us. She's an absolute uh, warrior. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, LA is just the light of our lives. I mean, every single day, I never thought I would be excited to go home at work from work at like three 30 or four, but I am beginning to, I, I start getting that feeling inside of me about every day, knowing what I get to go home to and just being expectant and hopeful. Mm. And it just makes my world to come home and see him just smile a little bit. And I'm not sure if he's recognizing me or why he's smiling, but for some, maybe it's the beard that catches him, <laughs> but for whatever reason, when he sees me, he does smile just for a little bit. And that makes my whole day. I love it. You know, that'll preach right there. The being expectant to see our father and um, yeah, what you just described sounds delightful. Well, Hey, let me go ahead and remind us of this passage and then we'll dive into it. Um, so we were meditating on Matthew 18 verses one through seven, and this is what it says. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, 
it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of these things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. All right. So Lance, I did not give you this passage because you were a new dad. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. I just, the Lord led me to give this to you. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that, but we did this as a Lectio asking the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So let's start there. Where did he bring you and what did he draw your attention to? Well, I think the first thing is he says to be like children. And so he, he brings the child in and he begins to start teaching and he says, be like children. And from there, you know, God just began to speak to me literally as I'm holding my son and, and I'm kind of reacting to this passage. And then I set him down and I looked at him and, and not because I'm a son of a Baptist preacher, but I do have three things that hit me <laughs> and they do m- possibly start with the same letter. Um, that's oh, just, I, I can't get away from that. That's just who I am. It just naturally pours out of you. It, I know it's sad, and, and but it really is true. And, and I'm sitting there staring at LA and I'm, I'm really meditating on this because this has been a huge part of my faith journey. I've always felt like I had childlike faith. And when I was describing to people early on in my recovery that were people that were struggling with thoughts about God and how do they get around this and folks that struggle with atheism and different things. I'd always just tell me, I just have this childlike faith. It's, I just believe and I just believe and I just believe. And so this passage really hits me, but as I'm staring at my son, I'm thinking of three things. One, like children means that we must be totally trusting. Mm. And I wrote this down, willing to follow the voice of their father. To be like children is to be totally trusting. It's as if we have mm-hmm. no other, we have no other methodology. We have no other way. We don't know anything different. We're totally trusting right until we're not. But, but for, for a while as children, as I'm looking at my son, who's three months old, it's as he's totally trusting of whatever yeah. I, I say, whatever I do, wherever I lead him, which leads me to the second thing, which was totally dependent. Mm literally as if we're unable to survive without our father. Mm-hmm. And in, in our case at home, it's really without mother, but you get the point. It's we're unable to survive without um, our heavenly father. Mm-hmm. And, and that's as being like children. God told me it's about being totally trusting. It's about being totally dependent. And lastly, about being totally innocent, mm. which I, I kind of wrestled with because obviously we're not innocent people. We're naturally sinful and we're bent towards destruction and darkness, but like a child, meaning that we're totally innocent, meaning that we're willing to be led and guided. Mm. When I take a rattle and I place it over my son's eyes, Mm -hmm. trying to help him to follow it, he'll follow me. He'll, He'll follow it wherever it goes. He's totally trusting but he's also totally innocent. You know, he, he doesn't know that I, I could have something that his cheek could run into, you know, that could hurt him, mm-hmm. but he's totally innocent. And I think Jesus is saying, we must be totally trusting. We must be totally dependent. And ultimately we must be in this place of innocence where we're willing to be led and to be guided. Mm, so beautiful. I think it's so interesting. Even the setup for this passage 
is the disciples not being this, right? Because mm-hmm. they're saying, well, who's the greatest? Who's, mm-hmm. who's first? And, and what does he do? He turns to a child because that's yeah. the best way to illustrate everything that you just said. Mm. Um, because apparently at this moment, right, then they're not trusting him, right? Because they want to know where's my rank. Um, they're not dependent because that's an independent thing to want to know your rank. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they're obviously not innocent because that means they're pushing other people down to get to a higher space. So, um, yeah, everything you just said, I think is so, so good. Okay. So you're thinking about that, um, holding your son and having Mm -hmm. this great moment with the Lord, which I love. So tell me about the next step of that process as you then start to reflect on, okay, Lord, what do you want me to know about this in my life right now? Where did you go? Uh, It's like you're reading my notes. Well, the (laughs) second, the second part of that is really where, you know, he he leaves you on a pretty tough place at the end of this passage. It's, it's almost brutal. I think sometimes we want to gloss over this, like it's just some alliteration or analogy or something, but he's literally saying, when you cause others to stumble, you'd be better off dead or drowned. And what I picked up on that really quickly was leadership. And for a lot of reasons today Mm -hmm. in my life, you know, our organization, 49, almost 50 employees, hundreds of lives that are, you know, literally not on the line, but are, are working towards being changed every day, families that are dependent upon us. And again, most importantly, a spouse and a newborn baby. And just the, I felt as if God was saying leaders have an enormous responsibility mm. because what, what position are you most able to impact somebody positively or negatively? It's when you're in a place of leadership in someone's life and they're, they're looking to you. It's almost as if the same you know, child analogy holds true. They're in a place where they're trusting of you. They're dependent upon you. In some ways, they're innocent and they're, they're willing to follow wherever you might go. And it really challenged me to, to ask myself, am I causing someone to stumble through my leadership, through all the things that encompass leadership, right? The things that I'm saying, mm-hmm. my, re- my reactions, um, how I'm giving people time and what that time looks like and mm-hmm. uh, where I'm leading them. In, in how they are supposed to live their life beyond the pulpit, beyond the stage, beyond the, the platform. What do they see of me in my day to days? And how does that line up to what they see maybe on a stage? Those are things that cause people to stumble in their mind. Yeah. It's when things don't align properly and expectations aren't right. They say, I see this here, but I see this other thing way over here and something's not right for me. And then that allows for a place for the enemy to creep in and for people to stumble. And so that's really where God began to kind of teach me on things uh, throughout this passage. And again, I'm landing on what's so unfortunately prevalent in our world today is so many leaders falling. And it scares me, Jody. I mean, it scares me to death. Um, A very popular podcast I listened to all summer long really challenged me in, in what can happen when leaders take too much power, when leaders put themselves at a place of idolatry, um, when leaders put themselves above the ministry or the calling that God's put on their life, above a place of really what a leader is, which is a servant of those Mm. that are following Mm. and and where the enemy can take that. And so um, I'm not surprised that God is confirming kind of this continual trend in my life. And I think he's 
hopefully um, shaving off some rough edges in my leadership and helping me to realize that I'm in a place that really could cause people to stumble or cause people to grow closer yeah, to him. Right. Yeah. Um, I listened to that same podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's uh, and, and I think what you just said a few minutes ago, that when things don't align, and I do think it, it is, it should cause us to be fearful in a good way, fearful in a way that leads us to cling to Jesus, that we don't want to be those people, um, to be a leader where your private life and your public life do not align, um, is devastating, not only to the people around you, but to, to it just Christianity and the faith and the church keep taking hits. Now, Jesus can stand up for himself and God can totally defend his reputation, but we're not helping very much when we continue to um, put people into leadership that really don't deserve to be there um, and follow people who really shouldn't be followed because they look a certain way or because they're offering us something. And so I think you're right. Like, um, can I use the word sobering? It is sobering to, uh, to, to think about this and to think these are harsh words. When, when Jesus Mm -hmm. says, Whoa, to you, it would be better for you to put a big old rock around your neck and jump into a river and just drown. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it makes it very real. And so, um, again, I think we can very easily gloss through the Bible when we're reading it. And we're, you know, we're just so, especially believers that have been believers for a long time, we're just so used to some of this language. But I think this is like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Read this slowly. This is how important this is. Are you causing someone else to trip, to stumble? It's as if you're putting the rock in front of their feet. Yeah. Um, by luring them with some type of temptation, by your actions justifying in their minds what they've just been waiting to see. Okay, he's doing it, so I can do it. Um, they're being inappropriate, so I can be inappropriate. Um, they're not completely doing things um, uh, to the level of accountability, so I can get away with the same things. And so, you know, those are things that I wrestle with more and more and more. And I realize that um, I think the enemy wants to wants to completely destroy me and my wife and our marriage. He hates what we do and the ministry that we lead. And so I'm so thankful um, for just this time personally, mm-hmm. because it, it helps me to, to be mindful, um, to be of sober mind, yeah. um, to realize that there is an enemy that's, that's literally out there trying to destroy us. You know, the word that keeps coming to mind is humility, which is also another real key to this passage, because that's what the child is completely humble, which you also just outlined and how they relate to their heavenly father and, and, or a loving father. And so there's this, this space of being childlike in our humility as well, when we're leading, um, which is what you're talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to just say this one last thing, as far Mm -hmm. as the childlike faith, we're, we're in a world where everything is Googleable. <laughs> or um, yeah. Wikipedia, a <laughs> whatever the word is. And I mean, how many times are we just curious about something? So we throw it in the search bar and we try to find out more about it. We'll never understand God's ways completely. Mm. We'll, we'll never fully grasp or Google it out to grasp what God is, who He is. And I think that's ultimately the faith walk as we mature in life 
let's be honest, naturally, we're more curious as we grow older. Wait, is this thing everything I thought it was going to be? If I can just be real, Jody, mm-hmm. you're, tell, you're telling me a guy literally was swallowed by a whale? You, you <laughs> mean he split the seas wide open and made dry land? As we grow older, we question things. And God is constantly reminding us. Jesus is re- reminding us. No, 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 no. It's faith. Mm-hmm. It's faith. It's faith. It's what you can't see. Mm-hmm. It's what you can look back on your past and see how I provided for you, how I protected you. It's that childlike faith. And I just wanted to, to drop that word for somebody today that we must always be going back to the believing in faith that God is who he says he is, even when we can't fully in our human mind rectify it all in our minds. Our faith is founded on that. I mean, believing that a man was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually easier for me to believe that a guy was swallowed by a whale yeah. than a guy was raised from the dead, right? I mean, fair, but- fair. Still, there it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We're believing in supernatural and because we believe in the creator of the universe <laughs> who spoke into being who we are and who gives us life and breath and ordains our days. And yes, it that takes childlike faith. Um, yes, it does. And the questions are real and we should ask them. We should stare. Like if you just shove those questions down, um, they're going to come back at some point, right? <laughs> so that's not helpful. So childlike faith doesn't mean you turn away and you ignore, but I do think it's the acknowledgement of this is God, God of the universe. I will not understand him. There are things about him. I can understand his character and, and some things that he does, but there are so many things that I won't be able to understand. And I think as we get older, we do just have to be okay with, okay. We have to be okay with that. So that's right. Yeah, and, and I think it it helps when we're living in a in a life of ministry and a life of service, and we're seeing the miracles in our lives, and we're seeing the miracles in others' lives. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful for what I get to do because you know I'm I'm on a a front line, if you will, being able to watch miracles with the front row seat and being reminded that you know God is alive and well and doing amazing things in our world even in the midst of such turmoil and strife yeah. and confusion and war and pandemic, there is amazing things happening. Um, and you have to have eyes to see and, and ears to hear those things. And those things bolster faith and remind us of, of what we've, what we said that we believe and helps us believe even more. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about some of those miracles. I want to hear sure. a little bit more about hope is alive from you and about uh, how did that come to be? Yeah. Well, I, I was, you know, raging drug addict for over a decade of my life. And the, the the Reader's Digest version is that when I was in my late 20s, in April of 11, 2011, I was intervened on. At that point, I was taking upwards of 50 prescription pain pills a day. Oh, and it's a long story, obviously, that gets you to that place. But I was in complete devastation, complete darkness. If you haven't had addiction really hit your living room, it's hard to explain the depths of the darkness that that kind of sin and entanglement can just bring around you and your family. But the entire world is dark. It is Mm -hmm. a devil's playground. It is really, really um, in turmoil. You're in bondage to those substances. And so if you can kind of visualize or even think about that being me being in that place where you're so physically hooked and spiritually bound, that's where God met me. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is literally mm-hmm. where the God of the universe met me at that place when I was at my absolute worst. And you know, being raised in a pastor's home, I had a lot of um, spiritual teaching, a lot of religion around me, an understanding of faith um, and who Jesus was, and and all of that. But I he wasn't my own. Mm-hmm. He wasn't my own. And so Jesus became real to me in the depths of my addiction. And, you know, and on, on the first few days of sobriety, when I began to realize, you know, that grace was grace was something for me, you know, that I, I could attain that, that God was giving me grace uh, when I deserved so much worse. Mm-hmm. And through that experience of going to treatment and, re, re, you know, kind of stepping into sobriety, I realized that just honestly, Jody, there was a calling on my life. It was greater than myself. It was bigger mm-hmm. than me. And I couldn't punch a clock anymore. I couldn't work for anyone else. I just knew I wanted to be on the front lines helping other men at the time changed their lives. And so to make a really long story short, a couple of years after I got sober, I started this thing called Hope is Alive and had a vision for uh, homes where men and eventually women could come and live and work to radically change their lives through a long-term intensive holistic program, ultimately rooted in faith mm-hmm. and in and, and spiritual growth and development and ultimately discipleship. And kind of, it just took off. It was at the beginning of the opiate um, epidemic across our country. And I think we we were really uh, called for such a time as this, and and God has used us then, and He's used us since then, and and we know that it's still our best days are yet to come. But as we set today, there's 24 homes in 10 cities, in five states, and over 200 people that are that are in our program, living in the homes, changing their lives. Yeah, so. and from what I know about your program, because we love Hope is Alive, our our family is uh, supports the ministry because we just are passionate about what you're doing. Um, from what I know, it's very different than a sober living home. It's mm-hmm. it's more of like a reparenting in some ways <laughs> of, you know, and, and like, so yeah, re, like yeah. helping with finances, helping totally. understand how to read the Bible, um, mm-hmm. how to cook your own meals, how mm-hmm. to like just how to actually live on your own without being dependent on substances or people. Absolutely. Um, and I just think it's such a beautiful ministry model, and it takes a, it takes a long time. It's not something that is you know one talk here and there. It's a long time of investing in people's lives. That's right. To lead them through the program. What, how, what's the average time it takes someone to get through? You know, it's normally around that 18 month mark. You can, you can do it a little quicker than that. Um, some folks stay closer to two years, depending on, you know, their life situations. But I, I love the thought of reparenting because that, that is truly what it is. At the same time, uh, we, we like to call it almost like a New Testament church. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's really like-minded or, or like afflicted people living in community, providing for one another's needs, almost naturally developing life skills, whether they realize it or not. That's really what you see in Acts. I mean, they're, they're giving up what they have for other people and they're, they're being changed through this, um, through this process. And then the gospel is at work inside of that. And they're coming out the other side. I mean, I think you can agree from what you've seen, completely different people. I mean, completely changed. And of course, it's not a hundred percent, but for those that are willing to invest and to follow the program, I think God's really blessed us with an incredible model that's helping a lot of people live up to the mission, and that to radically change their lives. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've definitely i I know some of your graduates, and I see one of the things I love, and I want to encourage you all to 
get in contact with HIA and get on their email list. Because one of the things that I love is when you guys send out the emails of the before and after pictures, and I am constantly stunned because that image that you painted just a minute ago of you in your living room, just at the darkest of the dark, take a snapshot there and then take a snapshot of you now, clear eyed on mission, just Mm -hmm. full of life. I mean, you can physically see radical difference and it's absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's stunning. Um, I love it too. I get captivated by it. It's just that it's almost just that teaser, like, wow, look at this. And then people want to know more and they want to hear the story. And God's used that. We have had hundreds of people that have come to the program that have been willing to tell those stories mm-hmm. of really what it was like, how it started and how it's going. <laughs> yeah. you know, we see that trend on on Instagram now. And that's, that's, that's really what it is, how it started and how it's going. And, and God uh, has done some radical things. And, and we're thankful for all the folks that have prayed and given and supported. And if you're listening today, by the way, and you have somebody that's struggling, we want you to know we're here for you 24-7, no matter where you live, no matter what you walk through. I promise you, you are not alone. Your family's not crazy. Um, you haven't done anything wrong. Addiction doesn't care. It doesn't discriminate. It's, it's the devil's tool to completely destroy you and your family. But there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Um, just reach out in any way that you can, and we would love to begin that journey with you. Yeah. And even people that are listening that maybe are in their own struggle of addiction, um, definitely you can reach out on your, you can reach out for yourself too. Please do. You know, one of the things I'm really excited about is you're opening a home near where we live in Dallas. And now I know my listeners are not all in the Dallas area. People listen all over the place. In fact, there's many in Oklahoma um, as well near you. But I am super excited because you guys are coming close to us and we are going to have space to be involved in a different way. So we're looking forward to that. Well, we are too. It's the 24th home. It is uh, completely ready to go. We're just waiting on a few more things to be finalized and we'll open no matter when you're listening, but we'll be open on April 1st of 2022. And so we're really, really excited for, for what's to come there. And it's in Arlington. It's a beautiful home. God's led us to right in the middle, kind of, of, of the Metroplex, if you will. And so uh, we're excited about what God's going to do in Texas. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it it doesn't really matter where the home is. We just pray that God would lead us to the right area, the right community, the right churches, the right volunteers that would rather uh, really you know, gather around us and support in all the different ways that you can. Uh, but these homes could work anywhere because addiction's everywhere. It's It's everywhere. And so we're just trying to do our best to, to steer the ship and, and to continue to um, have a safe and sober program for people to, to come and join and change their lives. Yeah. Well, Lance, I truly um, am so grateful that you made space. I know that you have a really busy schedule um, managing your ministry and your staff and taking care of your new baby. So thank you for making some space to be with us. Um, tell us where can we find you? Where can we find more sure. about Hope is Alive? Well, you can find me anywhere on social media at Lance Lang. That's really easy. Uh, but more importantly, you can find Hope is Alive at hopeisalive.net. All the various social medias we do, um, I think, a pretty good job of telling the story on social media. So we're a good follow, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you want, want to give us a follow, but um, you can also write this number down one eight four four three hope now and I'm praying that somebody might need to call that number and be discreet and private about what's going on in their life. And I'm just praying that God would use that number no matter when you're listening, 
1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. Ultimately, um, God has called me to to tell my story as boldly as I can and hope that he will use it to inspire others to begin this journey. And that's really what I'm most passionate about is others taking just that first step um, to a changed life. Yeah. Well, Lance, thanks for doing, saying all that. I will put all of that in the show notes. So if you didn't write down, but you want to find the number, it'll be in the show notes as well. So thank you again for being here today. Thanks, Jody. Well, as always, I also want to thank you for joining me on So Much More because we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Hey there, it's Carly Marcoule, your host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.